The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You found the most positive place on the internet. Thanks for listening to unityonlineradio.org. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome to the Ask Dr. Dream show where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm your host, Kelly Sullivan Walden, aka Dr. Dream. Grateful and thankful to be here with you on Unity Online Radio and on Facebook Live via Zoom. So many platforms all at the same time. And I've got an amazing show for you today. Um, I'm going to be talking to an expert. Her name is Anne. She's Dr. Anne. She's Anne Berube. She's a PhD. She wrote the book, The Burnout Antidote. So this is what we'll be talking about in a moment. But as I normally do before starting the show, if I don't do this, then we're in a lot of trouble. I always like to get centered. So let me just invite you, first of all, to everyone, let's turn within for a moment. Ah, Let's just take a breath, turn within. And as much as possible, let's just let the world go by. Let's not multitask. Even if we're on multiple platforms, let's just close our outer eyes and open our inner eyes for a moment and just touch into that still quiet place, that eye of the hurricane. Ah, Let's drop deep and allow that center to become our circumference. Let's call in the sunlight of the spirit, that peace that passes human understanding, that insight, that aha moment, even if we've been lost in a haze of our struggles and stress, let's let this be a moment where we pop out of that and we get that aha moment, that insight that changes everything. We don't have to have a near-death experience like I've had and like my guest have had, my guest has had to be able to have a reckoning, an awakening, a come to Jesus moment where everything changes for the better. We can have it right now if we're open to it. So let's open to that. Let's sit at the edge of our seats and yet being calm and open and allowing 
And let's call in our dreams and our dreaming mind to join us. And let's just be grateful for all this technology converging together so that we can be together right now. So with this, I just say thank you, Unity Online Radio. Thank you, Anne Belloubet and the Burnout Antidote. And thank you for dreams and dreamers everywhere. So with this, I say thy will be done. And so it is. Amen. A woman. Ah dreams. And I'm going to just read as Nancy T normally does. She's normally the reader of the luminous humanness thought for the day, but since she's not here, I'm going to do it. And it's short and sweet. It's called on the level of the soul Lucian S O U L Lucian. And it says the solution to our problems The solutions to our problems grow in proportion to our embodied, oh my God, and can you believe I have that word in here? The solutions (laughs) to our problems grow in proportion to our embodied soulfulness. When we dwell upon the challenges in our lives, they grow. When we dwell upon the solutions, they also grow. When we reside in our soul, it becomes stronger and more robust. Affirmation. As I feed my soul, my difficulties vanish and my joy expands. That's from February 16th from Luminous Humanness. Okay, so that's our intro. And now, without further ado, let me tell you about Anne Belloubet. So she, if you're on our Facebook page, if you go to Kelly Sullivan Walden Dreams, um, you'll you'll find us there so you can see and Berube's beautiful face. Um, so let me just tell you a little bit about this amazing woman. Okay, so she, I'm going to read it from the back of her beautiful book. And this is hot off the press, by the way. Actually, it's not even on the press yet. This is an early, early edition. This comes out in, in early April. But Anne Berube, she lives in Nova Scotia, Canada. She has led international seminars and workshops alongside best-selling authors, Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, Elizabeth Gilbert, and others. She studied Vedic wisdom at the Chopra Center, was initiated into Huna by Hawaiian Kahuna Laura Keolana, Keolaha, Keoloha, 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 (laughs) Keoloha, Yardale. And she completed a program in neuropsychology, sorry, neurophysiology, life coaching under Dr. Amanda Wintink. And she's the author of Be, Feel, Think, Do. That was on Hay House. And you can visit her at annebelloubet.com. That's A-N-N-E-B-E-R-U-B-E.com. That's Anne, A-N-N-E, B as in boy, E-R-U-B-E.com. Anne, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. So grateful to have you here. Oh, Kelly, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. And the time is perfect because I know myself and I don't think I know anybody who isn't burning out to some degree that isn't Mm -hmm. just like, I don't know anybody that's like, oh, I'm bored. You know, there's nothing going on. <laughs> I guess that's a quality problem. But yeah. what what is it with the need for this book? That What mm. is it that propelled you to write this book? Well, you know, I've been working as a spiritual teacher and a spiritual coach for over a decade now. 
And um, I found it really interesting that even after I'd found my path, I'd found what it is I came to do, and I was still burning out. I think I had, I had a limiting belief that when you find what you're supposed to do, you have unlimited energy for forever, and that's it. And <laughs> I, was story. Sur- I, was surpri- I was surprised. And I thought, that's interesting. So maybe that was just like, you know, spiritual bypassing or some, you know, really not um, having to do the work and dig down deep, right? And so I went through my own period of, okay, let's take a break, let's stop everything, so that I can look at what is happening? Why, why is it that this thing that I've dreamed of that I've always wanted, and that I finally got is draining me so much, so much so that one day, I remember my husband came, you know, I was working and I was huffing and puffing and he's like, what's wrong? I said, well, I think I need to refer this person, this client to someone who still likes people. And he- <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my God. I love it. And he laughed and he's like, honey, I think you need a break. And I was like, what is going on? And so, you know, and I talked about this in the book is that (laughs) I realized that my, the impulse to serve and to be of service, to be here, to make the world a better place for me was coming from um, a place that wasn't sustainable. I asked myself, like, if nobody needed me anymore, who would I be? And I, and I couldn't find the answer to that question. Oh, that's good. Yes. And so, so then I thought, okay, well, if I could take the time and realize, okay, when I'm needed, I know who I am, but if I'm not needed anymore, am I still me? Who am I? And if I can find that, then that the source of my um, service will come from a deeper place, a more embodied place and and that's what happened (laughs) it was quite the journey but it happened (laughs) it's such a wonderful exploration because it's one thing I love about your book is that I you made me feel good reading it like sometimes I think books like this I might I I might have assumed that you'd be like scolding me like bad girl for burning out don't do that you're a bad person (laughs) But instead you, it's like you compliment us. It's like those of us who are burning out are likely people that really care, that are sensitive, that are empathic. And we, we often feel what people are going through. We want to help them. We want to make their lives better. And if that doesn't work, we keep trying. And if that doesn't work, we keep trying and we keep trying. And, and then pretty soon we get resentful and yet we've kind of painted ourselves into a corner. I love what you say in the book about um, lighthouses. Don't go running around looking for lost ships. Can you say that? I'm probably butchering it, but that was, no, that will yeah, stay that, forever. Tell me about that. That's a quote from Anne Lamont. So this is not original to me. And Anne Berube, um, Anne Lamont, whatever. I give you whatever. You're the, one that, you're the one to bring it to my consciousness. <laughs> Yeah, that lighthouses don't go around the harbor looking for ships to save. They just are there and they shine. And and that is that's the big difference between um, you know serving because people need me and serving because it's who I am, 
right? And so when people need me, I come out of myself. I am not in myself, in my power. I'm, I'm with their problems. I'm, I'm out there with them instead of being in my power, mm. in my light. <laughs> Which might be maybe a step in the process. I mean, I've often even yes. said, like, I remember I was working with a client, a hypnotherapy client, and we were doing a past life regression. And all of a sudden my throat started becoming really tight. And I started talking like this and, and she was experiencing having been strangled to death and I was feeling it. And I, and, and it was, a, it was a powerful session. It moved some energy for her, but I was like, left like this, <laughs> I'm like, Huh, I don't know that that's good. I mean, I, I felt honored and grateful that I could join her and have some like to witness the yeah. the reality of what was there for her. Yes. And yet I know it's a slippery slope and I don't want to be so removed that I don't have that. So how do we, how do we do this? Give us, I know part of it is the, how do we do it in a nutshell? Well, we think your book, the burnout antidote. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is a, it's a seven step process that you can do. You know, you could go through it in a week. Like let's say you went away by yourself and you just decided I'm going to do this process for myself. You could do it over a whole year. You could do it in little chunks here and there, but it makes, basically takes you into this journey of looking at what is the impulse. Am I serving because I need to please? Which so many of us empaths and highly sensitive people have learned to be who we are by pleasing. We were seen, we were acknowledged, we were we were witnessed if we pleased and if we right. were needed as children. Right. Because a lot of us were born in families that needed that kind of energy and, and not necessarily in the family, you know, we think we <laughs> should have been born sometimes because we're like, nobody understood me. Like I was like an alien in that family, but mm. there was a huge intelligence for that, that we were um, needing to experience the opposite of what we came to teach. Right. So that we could really own it. Ooh, um, there's so much that's here, and this is so on purpose. I had no idea when when Cat Sanborn, even though I know her last name is now Neff. So shout out to Cat Neff for yes. connecting us. I was like, oh, this will be lovely, but I had no idea how this was just like a brick landing on my head. It's so important. I want to for those who d- haven't read this book yet because it doesn't come out until early April, but it's available. Um, on Amazon for pre-order, which I highly recommend. Um, tell us about your near-death experience that was such an instigator of such a profound level of awareness. Yes. So it was 20 years ago. Um, a healer told me a few weeks ago that it takes 20 years sometimes to integrate those experiences. So I was like, Perfect okay. time. Congratulations. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and I was 20... 23 years old. And I, I was just, you know, I was young, but I was living my life the way I thought I should um, to make people happy around me. That's the, that was the only gauge of happiness I had is um, being seen in the eyes of others as being, you know, smart and driven and accomplished. And, and so I didn't even know what that meant to be really happy or to be embodied you would have said that to me back then. I would not have known. Right. And um, and I was in a relationship that wasn't healthy. 
Uh, but I didn't have a point of reference for a healthy relationship either. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. And I talk quite a bit about that in my first book because it's a memoir and it's it's kind of a love story. It reads like a like a movie a little bit. Ooh, wow! Uh, <laughs> and that that yeah. one's called the feel think. Be, be. Yeah, be, be feel think do. Ooh, okay. Yes. We've got to get that one too. Maybe I'll have you back on after I read that one. <laughs> And, um, and so one day we, we went golfing. Um, I hate golfing. I did not <laughs> want to go golfing. Um, and I, uh, the, the guy that I was dating was driving the car and he took a left turn, uh, into, um, oncoming traffic. He, you know, didn't, um, gauge the, the distance well enough. And there was a half ton truck coming, uh, towards us and he hit the car. And I was in the passenger seat, so it hit me uh, dead on. And on the impact, my liver lacerated in half and my lungs partially collapsed. And I was, I was out. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, thank you. It feels, it feels like a lifetime ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, on, so I tried, I, I, I came back to. Um, but I couldn't breathe. My lungs still weren't working. So I passed and probably my greatest nightmare, like that, probably something from a past life too, like can't breathe. (laughs) And then the second time when I passed out again, that's when it happened. So I saw in front of my mind's eyes, like a movie, my life, but it wasn't uh, the life I was living. It was the life that I was meant to live and I I I saw what I was doing I saw I was teaching and I was writing and I saw the people I loved and the people who loved me I saw my future husband it was it felt so real it felt more real than anything I've ever experienced but what really stuck with me was the feeling of love this incredible um, feeling mm. inside inside my body, but that kind of expanded outside my body as well of an unconditional love, a love with no opposite. And I didn't know that. I never experienced that. I think a lot of us, you know, um, have this understanding of love that is very small, right? right. Um, so when I woke up the next day in the hospital, um, the first thing was that I promised myself I would, I would just, I would change my ways. Like there was, I was not in a good place, not making good decisions. Um, I would, people would probably say I was a nice person, but I didn't think I was a nice person. <laughs> mm. And I just knew I had to, I had to change my ways if I wanted to, to meet this life, to be actually in this life. Mm. And the other thing was this love. And I, it was still very present in my heart. I could really, really feel it, but I had no one around me that I could talk to about that. Um, so much so that it took a while for me to accept what had happened and then to share it with someone. I was in academia, you know, I, I was in a world of um, where the intellect rules and, and the intellect is your identity. So talking about that kind of thing I didn't feel comfortable. So it, mm. it, it took a while for me to own that experience and then share it. Um, and then, and then, yeah. 
And then I wrote the book. <laughs> and then you wrote the book after <laughs> it took you all this time. Well, I think um, that it's amazing how it's just, it just keeps showing up that often the worst thing can be the best thing in time. And if we know that, then maybe we can quicken the gap between it being so horrible and that, I mean, what a beautiful opening this was for you, this, and then you getting that deep imprint of that phenomenal love that you've been able to kind of ride and that it really shows up. It's in the book. It's palpable in, in the book. I feel like the consciousness of the author is always kind of all over the book so I can feel it. Um, Mm. And so I know that you also, there was a moment later, like down further down the path where you had this, you were part of a breathwork um, experience. Can you talk about how that was another level? Exactly. Because the car accident kind of showed me what, what it was, but I still didn't know how. Mm -hmm. And so in that experience you're talking about, that's when I, I, I realized how I could live that life. And so I had been living with sinus pain for two years. Uh, my son was one year old. And I think a lot of mothers can relate. Like you're, you're first born and you just crack your heart open. And it's like everything becomes overwhelming and you become more sensitive. And everything from your past and your childhood come crashing in. And I didn't have the tools to deal with that with that at all and so my mother-in-law um and I was writing my thesis since I was sitting in front of the computer trying to write my my sinuses would hurt so it was constant the pain was always there and I didn't know how to get rid of it I seen all the specialists and there was just nothing to do Mm -hmm. and I thought this is it like this is just my life um and so my mother-in-law invited me to a a course that's called uh, women in leadership she said I really think you're gonna like it and at the time I thought oh well yeah I'm pretty bossy already and uh, (laughs) maybe one day I'll be head of a department so yeah women in leadership my ego love that title right (laughs) (laughs) but if I knew what, what was really going to happen that day I I wouldn't have gone I I'm glad I was tricked in a way (laughs) And so I walk into this room and there's about 12 women in a circle and the teacher and I sit down and the teacher's right in front of me and she's talking about a leadership that comes from intuition and deep inside your body connected to emotions. And breath is really important to this leadership because in order to connect with the wisdom that moves through your body, you have to have a body that is not in you know, sympathetic fight or flight, like it has to be relaxed and it has to be fed with that good breath. And, and the more she's talking, the more pressure in my head, you know, there's more pressure in my head. The sinus pain is really, really strong. And then women in the circle start to cry. And I, I was like, this is the wrong course. What am I doing here? Like, I don't understand. And nobody seemed to be bothered by the fact that they're crying and she just keeps talking and they're just crying and so I'm hoping she's going to take a break so I could go to the washroom and just not you know and never come back (laughs) (laughs) she never took a break she looked at me and she she could see I was like a pressure cooker she's like are you okay and then I could hear Kelly like this dialogue like my heart was like tell her you're not okay like tell her like this is this is time and in my head was like don't say anything if you say something I can't help you. We're going to lose control here. Like, 
And so I said, no, I'm fine. And then she said, I invite you to take a deep, deep breath. <laughs> and again, my heart was like, honey, please take that breath. And my mind's like, you're on your own. If you do this, like we can't help you. And you don't know these people. Like, it's not what we do. This is not what we do in a course. And, but I did, I just took this counter instinctual, but deeply intuitive breath. And as I breathe out, oh, I'm the one in this mess of snot and tears and like the shaking and the waterworks. It's just this whole, to me, it felt like a spectacle. It was my whole body was going through this wave and I could not stop it. Even though I tried, I could not stop it. And she just looked at me. She had a smile on her face. She seemed completely okay with this. She even came and put her hand on my back and said, everyone, this is what it looks like when someone's held 28 years of emotional baggage in their body. Wow. And then then everything got calm. Like my body settled. And it was so still. And then the pain was gone, completely gone. And it hasn't come back. That was 17 years ago or a little bit less than that, 15 years ago hasn't come back and the feeling was akin to the accident to the near-death experience I was like oh this is this is the how I've come home now I know now I know that my body is a bioprocessor of energy and information and I was not taught that in school and now I know that it's my friend and everything below the neck is intelligent like I I always lived here and like my belly, my heart, so powerful. And, you know, I, I learned that my heart is the most powerful organ in the body. And that its capacity to process information is way greater than the brain. And that the, <laughs> the breath, when consciously directed can erase years and years and years of of um, of conditioning and completely change your thoughts and completely change your beliefs and your values it can it brings you closer to who you really are and so i that was truly the beginning i continued to learn with her and other teachers And then after a little while, I was like, okay, I have to share this because it's, we feel trapped when we are, when we don't know how incredibly powerful our inner world is. And it's, it's like freedom. It's inner freedom when we can really allow that. Oh, I can't hear you, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I was just in such stunned silence. So we're about to go to a break. I just want everyone to know The Burnout Antidote is the book that we're talking about. This is the author, Anne Beru Bay, and her website is 
Anne, A-N-N-E-B-E-R-U-B-E.com. So check out this book. It's coming out in April and you want to get it. We're going to be taking questions on the other end of this break. And also maybe Anne will lead us through a little process on the other side of this break as well. So call back in if you've got questions about the burnout antidote or dreams. We'll meet you on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Dream interpretation and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Dream Show. This is where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. And one way to do that is to stop burning out and to get the antidote, the burnout antidote. I think so many of us are, are we, we love people, we care about them, and we demonstrate that by, by doing and trying to be all for everybody, but it's like we can never catch up. So this book is so beautifully written. I'm just going to read you a little bit about what um, the table of contents are. Some of the ones that stand out to me in this book that comes out in early April, The Burnout Antidote by Anne Barubay. So um, one of the chapter one is redefining burnout service and empathy. Chapter two is, is embodiment and core essence and then guilt and the inner child's fear of losing love. Oh, that's big, big, big. And then we were just talking on the break about who were you before you were needed. And then there's find the great mother and father within, reclaim your high sensitivity and set boundaries. <laughs> what a concept. Realize the power of your core essence, embodied leadership and emergent future. So let's talk about the word embodiment. And then we're going to take any questions you have. Feel free to call in 816-251-3555. That's how you can reach us on Unity so we can hear your voice. And if you have a question that you'd like to put in the chat on Facebook, you can go to my Facebook page so you can see Anne Barrow Bay's beautiful face and her beautiful book and see what the cover looks like at my Facebook page, which is Kelly Sullivan Walden Dreams. And Anne, what's your Facebook professional page? It's Anne Berube author. Anne Berube author. I love your accent. Okay. So before <laughs> I take calls, let's let me just hear a little bit about what you mean by embody, embody. Yes. Well, I think most of us for the longest time have lived um with our attention mostly in our head and in our intellect. So we wake up in the morning and the first thing that comes up is our to-do list and things that we have to do that day. Um, and we rarely stop to feel. It's just, you know, it's just not something we were told that fully feeling is a superpower, that being an empath is actually quite wise. And we weren't told that. So we, we learn to live more in our head. And so embodied spirituality is knowing that this body is the vessel, the instrument that our soul chose for this 
human experience and it expresses through it. And so I know who I really am when I am in touch with how light communicates with me through my body, how my soul communicates with me through my body. And when I learn that I can actually be in field first and then think and do can come after when I trust that the wisdom of my body is um, is always there for me then it changes my life completely I'm led by my soul as opposed to managing and controlling my life I'm allowing and inviting source to move through me and I'm being done like Wayne Dyer would say I'm being done I'm not doing anything I'm being done and then we just (laughs) we just allow ourselves to um and, but it changes everything. It changes how we live our days. It changes like how we interact with people. It changes our relationships. It's not how most people live, but there is a shift that's happening right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, let's take a question from Christopher. Christopher, where are you calling in from? I'm calling uh, from a couple of doors down from you. <laughs> I thought that was going to be you. Okay, Chris, what's on your heart today? No pun intended. Uh, So uh, here's what's been, here's how I've been getting burned out for my dreams. Oh Uh, my goodness. I know. Don't I know? (laughs) Tell me about it. Yeah. For the past week, every night before I go to sleep, I've dreamt about the joy of travel. I love traveling. So I go, I want to go over the, um, Africa in a balloon, watching the animals below. I want to go to Thailand and all these places for travel. I want to travel in my dream. I've done Mm. it way in the past, and so I love it. And uh, so I get into the dream, and I'm at an airport, and it's all about uh, what ticket do I get? Uh, What do they cost? What are the discounts? What seat am I in? Should I use mileage points? Uh, can I sit next to somebody I like? It's all about the doingness of uh, getting there. This has been happening seven nights in a row. So Ooh. I start, my intention is the joy of travel, and I wind up with a an endless to-do list <laughs> and wind up tired from it. Oh, that's so interesting. So you're, you're incubating your dream. You're setting a dream declaration. I want to travel, which is great to, to do that, to set some yeah. kind of intent for something that would be wonderful. Cause sometimes we can't always exactly press all the buttons and tell our dreams exactly what to do, but we can drop a hanky and drop a suggestion and know that whatever does come up in the dream is supporting that intention. Even if it's not exactly taking us where we want to go, because maybe all of this stuff that you're having to sort through is moving through the baggage so that you can be light enough to be able to travel. So, Anne, I'm going to pass this over to you because this seems like a be, do, have, feel <laughs> conundrum. So, so help, talk about help. this, Anne. Great question, Chris. Uh, I, you know, I, I, um, I traveled in December to Hawaii and I am I love traveling I've always traveled I traveled a lot but after you know when the pandemic hit um, I started to I didn't travel and so that was the first time I I was traveling and I got on the plane and I got 
a lot of anxiety. I, I was so anxious. I was fearful. I didn't, and I did I knew it was a mine. I didn't realize that I'd been carrying this fear because of the narrative and all the bombardment of information. And so much so that I almost turned around. I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm turning around. I'm not going anywhere. I have kids, you know, and then they pop into your mind and you're like a terrible mother, like what's going on here. And, um, and so what I realized is that there was a lot of, of, of baggage from the past two years. And I, I really wanted to, you know, I say push through, I, I really wanted to, um, to know what was real and what wasn't, and I wanted to be able to process it. So when you're sharing, uh, Christopher, it makes me think of that, just the baggage of the past couple years that in the subconscious have been accumulating, and that even though we're usually fearless, we've unconsciously took on some of that fear. And, and so it might, it might be um, the, just the time to bring it all to the surface and do something um, to uh, to help it move forward. Right. I, you know, as Anne, as you're talking about this and about Chris's dream, I can't help but think of, of a couple things. One thing, a dream that I had not that long ago was um, I was, this was before, right before the pandemic, I was going to have a spa day and it's not easy for me to take a spa day because it's, there's so many good reasons not to go to the spa. There's always building, burning buildings that fires need to be put out and left, right, and center. It's like, I can't go. But I remember having this dream that there was this mafiosa, somebody with a gun, and I was having to hide from them and having to sneak around in order to get to the spa. And I realized when I woke up, there was all this my own inner resistance that I had to push through, just like in the hero's journey, Chris, and I know you're familiar with this. When you cross Mm -hmm. the threshold from the ordinary world, which can be stressful and burning out esque, to the special world, which is where we want to go, which is the the land of milk and honey, which is that place of peace. We think it's just going to be a nice leisurely stroll to get over there. It should be. It's just such a lovely thing that we want to do, but no, often there's the there's the, we have to cross the bridge. We have to deal with the resistance and we have to prove to ourselves, no, I really want to take this trip. I need this. I'm willing to go for this. This is important to me. I'm going to push through maybe, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if we evolved so much that there wasn't, we didn't have to push, but I think sometimes we do need to. And then it makes me think, Chris, your dream, besides relating to it so much as if it were my dream, because it is, um, I think of flight, like the desire for travel and flight. I'm looking at it from two totally different perspectives. One perspective is because so many people, just like Anne said, and just like you, Chris, we, we've traveled a lot. We're people who travel a lot. And there's an identity, I think, in my, at least I'll just speak for myself. I'm somebody who travels a lot. And then all of a sudden, I'm not traveling. So there's an identity mm-hmm. crisis and yeah. I should be traveling that like traveling <laughs> means I'm living la vida loca. I'm living like I'm living. I'm not living if I'm not traveling, but that's also a story. That's also kind of like what Anne was talking about, like helping people caretaking. That's all nice and lovely, but too much sometimes like maybe what's under that. So I feel like maybe there's an opportunity to explore what's underneath the need for travel and then to realize, oh, wait, I can fly 
without having to go anywhere. That doesn't mean I don't want to go places. Of course I want to go places, but maybe I want to learn how to experience like, and I, now I'm obsessed with your other book too. The, how, do, what's the title of that book? The <laughs> Be, be, feel, think, do. Be, feel, think, do. Be, feel, that could be a song, Chris. <laughs> do, because it, it if we, because it, it, you know, and when I wake up, it's the same thing. I make the mistake of looking at my emails first thing in the morning, and there's this long, long list of stuff I haven't gotten to and promises I've made, and, and it's, it's overwhelming, you know, like burnout, and it's, uh, it's like the dream. I'm, I'm just caught up in the doingness yeah. in the endless to-do list. Yeah. How did you get rid of your baggage, Anne? Yes, <laughs> Anne, tell us. Tell us how, please. Well, it's been in multiple layers, but the biggest layer was the story I spoke about with Kelly uh, maybe 20 minutes ago about how I, you know, I was just under so much pressure in my body. I had pain in my sinuses and just allowed myself to process the emotion in a um, very safe, uh, you know, beautiful container that was a course called Women in Leadership. And then I learned that day how to use my body as the biological processor of energy and information to continue to process these layers, um, which involved a huge amount of trust that your body's got you. You know, sometimes we, we start to have an emotion and we stop it by interrupting the breath, by swallowing, by grabbing a glass of wine, turning on Netflix, we, we don't stay with the discomfort. And if we could stay with discomfort long enough, and, and often we need someone to help us for the first few times, because we, <laughs> we maybe have never experienced an emotion um, from zero to the end, like for the whole emotion in our life, right? Because our parents would have interrupted us where they were uncomfortable, so, you know, my daughter, like she has a huge emotion and I, you know, at the beginning, I didn't know how to deal with it, but I realized, okay, well, that's me. Like I am uncomfortable with my fire. So when I was able to own my own fire, then I could let her have these huge bursts and then she settles and then she goes about her day. And now she knows that, that she can process um, that much fire, but we, you know, as an adult, I didn't know that. I was scared of my own fire, scared of my anger, scared of my sadness. I thought it was going to swallow me up. Right, right. There's not a trusting of the process. It's like an inherent distrust in our bodies. Like our body is like against us somehow, or there's there's yeah. something there's something. It wrong. learned how to interrupt the movement, and so right. what we do is we re. And we can do a little exercise if we have a few minutes. Oh, I would love that. So that we have to retell our bodies, hey, it's okay. Like, you you know, we're not in that house anymore. We're not with that person anymore. You are safe. Let's, what do you need? How can I help you? Oh, it's like some self-kindness. Radical. Radical, radical. (laughs) Wow. Chris, thank you so much for sharing that wonderful dream and for opening this up. I think we're going to do a meditation now inspired by that. So thank you for that. Okay. Yes, so, Anne, you. let's hear thank it. Thank you, too. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Let's hear, Anne. 
Yeah, absolutely. So just for a few minutes, close your eyes and just bring your attention to your breath. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. Exaggerate your breath. Deepen your breath and slow it down. See if you can reach for your in-breath deep inside your belly. So your belly is like a Buddha belly. It's very soft. Let it hang. Don't hold anything in. And so your in-breath, you reach deep down in your belly. So your belly expand, rib cage, shoulder blood, shoulders go back and down. And when you breathe out, you drop your jaw. And you can make a little sound in the back of your throat. It massages the vagus nerve. So it tells your body that it is safe. And it also tells your body that something new can happen. So we don't have to re-bring uh, back, you know, the same old, same old thoughts. We can have something new. So as you continue to breathe deeply like this, imagine that the core of your being from the base of your spine all the way to the top of your head, that it opens up like a hollow cylinder. So you're all core is hollow and at the top of your head there's a little white feather floating and you're going to just anchor your attention in the feather as you visualize the feather and continue to breathe deeply you're going to invite the feather to make her way down your core and just take your time to your next deep breath visualize the feather going down behind your eyes first and you just notice and observe there's any sensations, emotions, colors. With your next deep breath, the feather goes down past your eyes and goes behind your nose. Breathe deeply into that space. It's very abstract. Just trust yourself. Notice any sensations, colors, maybe emotions or images. You just notice it and you let it go. You don't attach to it. The next deep breath, the feather goes down into your throat. So it floats down all the way to the level of your throat. And take a few deep breaths right there. Notice. How does it feel to have your attention there? Attention is love. Your love there in your throat. And with your next deep breath, the feather continues her way down past the throat and it goes into the heart space. Breathe deeply into the heart space. And notice any sensations, emotions, thoughts. And if you feel anything, if anything comes up, you breathe more deeply. You don't interrupt your breath. You breathe more deeply into the sensation, into the emotion. And then the feather passes the heart and continues her way down into the solar plexus where the rib cage meets. Notice how it feels to breathe deeply there. It's a little different. There's maybe more activity there. It's the fire. We have a lot of beliefs around 
fire. We see it as anxiety and anger. It is the exact same fire as excitement. So if you feel a little pressure there, you can say, hi, what are you excited about? What are you actually excited about? When we were little girls, little boys, the unknown was so exciting. We wake up and go, oh, what is the day going to bring today? It's the fire. And we learn that the unknown is scary, so we call it anxiety. It's the same fire. And then the feather goes down past the solar plexus into the belly. Let your belly be soft. At this point, I would usually recommend if you have a belt and it's too tight, undo your belt because there's no sense in holding anything in, especially in your belly. It's beautiful water center where so many emotions reside. Allow yourself to be soft. It's also where we keep a lot of our family system relationships. So mother, father, sister, brother. You don't need to know the story. You just breathe deeply and you notice any sensations. Color, images, emotions. You breathe deeply into what you experience. You increase the breath in that experience. And then with your next deep breath, you bring your attention all the way down to the base of your spine. So the feather finds a resting spot at the base of the spine. And right there is where B lives. Vibrations of the first chakra are much sore than the higher ones. So it's calmer, it's more still. I just am. Breathe deeply in that space and notice For a moment, you're away from your thoughts. You're away from the busyness and you're with yourself. And it is from that place that you can go anywhere in the body you listen. So right now, as I'm sitting here, I can feel my lower abdomen talking to me. So it would want more of my attention today. So I would go there and breathe deeply and ask, Hi, sweetheart. Hi, beautiful. I talk to the sensation like I would talk to a little girl, a little boy that needs my help. How can I help you? I love you. I'm so sorry you're hurting. I love you. How can I help you? What do you need? And so you can continue that on your own time and you can stay there if you'd like. But um, when you're ready, you can also open your eyes and come back to the conversation. <laughs> oh, wow, that was so beautiful. That felt so good. Thank you, Anne Belloube. Oh, that was definitely <laughs> an antidote to burnout for sure. It's something so simple. So I hope everybody can go back and just listen to this and then you can pause it and stay there longer. Yes. One yeah. question I wanted to ask you is just to paint a picture for us, if you would, because I feel like I really want people to get, I really want people to experience a shift today. I'm impatient. 
<laughs> for the transformation I want it now. Um, so we know what it's like. I mean, if we painted a picture of extremes, like let's say narcissism on one extreme that where there's no empathy, there's no even caring about being needed. It's like, so I don't, I don't need you to need me. And then, and then the middle place where most of us are is we need to be needed and we pander to that. And we often sell out what we, who we might be. Otherwise that's kind of God is being needed. It equals survival and safety and, and love. And, and that we're on this hamster wheel, most of our lives. And then there's this embodied energy. So to paint the picture of who we would be, like if we were to hit the fast forward button on the remote control to the place where all of us who are relating to this, to burning out, what would it look like if we were in this place? Like suddenly here we are, we are living the principles that you're teaching in your book. We are these people that know how to be empathetic, but we're embodying it. So what would that be like to be these people? How would we interact with each other? Well, first of all, you, the people who take your energy, they would just not be taking your energy or they would not be in your life anymore. And so when it comes to, um, and I talk about it in the book, there's 9.1% of the population is called cluster B personality disorders. And so there are some people who will never have your best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. They won't. And uh, Nita Morjani talked about this. Um, you know, some people want to heal so badly that they don't care if you die. Okay. Because <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Oh my goodness. And we only have a minute and a half left. So, <laughs> left. So keep going, keep going. So, what so yes. Do? So, so you have uh, healthy boundaries. Yeah. So, and you have, and you're, you value, you trust yourself and you trust other people. So porous and rigid boundaries mean I, you know, either don't trust myself or I don't trust other people, but healthy boundaries. I trust myself and I trust other people. And I, I know that I show up when my cup is full, only when my cup is full. Not when I have a little bit, you know, say, Oh, I have a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll serve today. No, you have to fill your cup up fully, right? Because your power depends on how embodied and connected to your core essence, you are. So for people who are empaths and overgivers and highly sensitive people, it feels selfish to fill yourself up that much, but it is where your power is and your capacity as a healer. And Barrow Bay, thank you so much for joining my show today. This has been so insightful. I'm going to have to have you back because there's so much more to unpack. The Burnout Antidote is her book. And we'll have you on and to talk about your other book, Be, Feel, Think, and Do. Go to her website, annebaroubet.com. And until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying out and don't burn out. Read this book. See you <laughs> next week. Sweet dreams until then. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.